Today's message is entitled Debt Cancellation. Debt Cancellation. And I don't want you to think right away that this is just about money. Tune in. You know PC always has a twist. When people hear the words debt cancellation, we immediately think about them from the perspective of how to handle our own personal debt that is owed to other people. Uh, We think debt cancellation and we think, oh, debt cancellation for me, right? And we don't need a detailed policy in place to figure out what we want somebody else to do with the debt that we owe. Say that again. We don't really need a policy. We don't need a contract. We don't need anything in writing to know what we want people to do with the debt that we owe them. Just tell me I don't owe you anymore. Basically, just cancel it. Just cancel the debt. That's why it's called debt cancellation. But, hold up, Lolo. What if we're talking about canceling the debts of what others owed to us? Ah, It's going to get dicey here. So when we think of debt cancellation, we think about, oh, how can we get our debt canceled? But what about when we need to cancel the debts of others who owe us? Would we be so quick to just say, cancel it? Well, (laughs) some families still ain't speaking right now because somebody owed them some money. Or would we try, would we say cancel it or, or would we do this? Would we try to devise a policy, a payment plan on how to get them to pay us back? That sounds a little, that sounds a little more like it, right? We may be Christian and even, you know, we may be even Christian about it and say, I'll give you a little more time, but ultimately you're going to pay me back. That's the mindset of most believers. Now, that takes a different perspective and it requires a different look at mercy. So you are all for God having mercy toward you, but how much are you for you having mercy for someone else? So let's connect this to our study on the family business. Watch this now. Stay with me, Danielle. Debt is an everyday reality for many. Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. Don't pull out your checkbook. But I know that right now online, most of us have some form of debt somewhere in our lives. And here's the reality. Watch this now. Not just as individuals, but every business has debt. And I must note, listen now, a debt is different from a gift. A debt comes from a loan, meaning that somebody is expecting something to be paid back. So businesses operate, listen, so family business, the family business operates with the concept of understanding there's going to be debt in our Christian walk. Uh, You're going to miss this. I'm telling you that God is setting up a policy on how to deal with debt, even in the Christian family. Are you with me? So alone means someone was always expecting something in return. 
watch this now, it becomes a debt when we owe it and haven't paid it. Watch this now. Christians and believers in the family are walking around right now, Sunday in church, praising God with a whole bunch of debt. Right now, down two rows down, three pews back, Sister Sally, I gave $25 three years ago and she ain't paid me. Since she hasn't paid me, I've been a little salty. I don't really talk to her no more after church. And so there is this element of debt. So this is why this sermon fits so well in the family business because family lends to one another all the time, don't we? We often end up owing the first people we hit up is family. I want to open a business. Come on, get, let me hold something, family. Let me hold something, folk. <laughs> I'm being a little ghetto there. All right, but what I'm trying to say is family are the first people we go to and families are filled with expectations of a return for what is owed to them. I'm telling you, the family of God today in churches everywhere are worshiping with an expectation of return for what is owed. Now, you can make that similarity to the Christian family or you can compare it to your own personal family. I'm telling you, there are expectations between brothers and sisters in the Lord. Can I get an amen? Even if it's not money. Uh-oh, watch this now because you say, well, I ain't loan nobody no money in church. It could be an apology you're waiting for. You feel like someone offended you or an acknowledgement of some sort. Do you know how many Christians leave the family business because at the church ceremony, they did not get acknowledged for their hard work with their cooking in the kitchen or working with the kids? Do you know how many people walk away from God and service because they feel like something was owed to them? I'm preaching already. That's all right. That's all right. Every family, listen to me, every family has debt. Every family has debt. Are you hearing the Instagram? Every marriage has debt. Ah, uh, that's all right. Sit right there. Look, hi, look out. It's coming. You better duck. Every marriage, every spouse, every relationship has debt because somebody in that relationship thinks the partner owes them something. God, God, every individual has debt. Watch this now. Even your own self, you can be in debt to your, ah, man, that's all right. You, yeah, I'll break it down later. So what I'm trying to explain to you is that these exchanges usually involve someone not being able to pay back a debt owed. The reason we are in debt and the reason collection companies have to come after us because in most scenarios, 
we borrow more than we can pay back. I'm coming at you. And so Christians or family members, brothers and sisters, bite off more than they can chew. They ask of people more than they can reciprocate. They want people to do more for them than they are willing to do in return. I'm preaching. That's all right now. Because of which there needs to be then a policy in place to manage what will our business do when there are uncollectible debts. Credit card companies have to enact this policy every year when they balance their books. I'm telling you, you will walk through life expecting people to pay you when you have not done anything to rectify your books. You have no policy in place to get your life back on track when someone borrows from you and doesn't pay you back. When someone draws upon your kindness, your goodness, your love, but never is available when you need them. You need a policy, God dog it, in place to do something with that outstanding debt because if you don't do something with the debt the debt will do something with you Uh, if you don't have a policy listen to me in place Sharitha your books will never balance because you will always show an outstanding debt. It will always show that somebody owes you something. And in order to be an effective member in the family business, in the body of Christ, you must balance your books. Every adult knows that when back in the old day, you don't have them now, but in the back of the checkbook, they had a little calendar or columns where you could balance your checkbook so that you could know exactly what you have to give, to pay, or to do something with. And so many believers and brothers and sisters don't know how much they have to give because they have not balanced their books without a policy of what to do with the outstanding debt. Let me say it like this. What will your marriage do when someone messes up so badly, there's no way they could pay you back for what they did to you? People are in divorce court right now because somebody did something in the marriage and couldn't pay them back. I don't care if you waited 30 years. You could put him out on the street for 70 years and he would never or she would never be able to pay you back. But if you had a policy in place, what will we do in our marriage when one of us hurts one another so badly that the other one cannot even rectify it? Ah, God, I feel the Lord pushing me because there are things that we did that was irreconcilable with God, but he had a policy in place to do something with that uncollectible debt that we created in the kingdom of heaven. Sit 
right there, I'm coming for you. How do you rectify your marital books? All right, some of you ain't married. You aren't married. So let me talk about families. How do you rectify your family books? How do you rectify when cousin Ray Ray came over and acted up at Thanksgiving, hurt your feelings, and changed how you viewed cousin Ray Ray? What does your family policy say? That's when Big Mama used to walk in. Big Mama walking, come on now, y'all just love each other. In other words, she was saying, use this policy. I know Ray Ray made you mad. I know he did. But listen to Big Mama's policy. Big Mama's policy was love anyhow. Let's keep going. I, I want to I wanna make sure we understand this. What will your family do? What will you do when you do something so diabolically stupid that you can't even correct it and bottom line you need to just move on from it but there are things we've done that we haven't healed from and it's been 20 years in other words you don't have a policy for the debt you created let me pause right there instagram you still with me i need you to know i need to know if you're tracking facebook are you tracking i need to just pause I just gave you some heavy weight. Listen, in today's lesson, we're going to learn that the way to cancel the debt that can't be paid is, drum roll, forgiveness. Even banks, listen to me, this is how I know Omari, even banks call it, what do they call it? Loan? Forgiveness. Ah, there it is. If the banks can call it loan forgiveness, why can't the family call it forgiveness? Why can't we call it emotional forgiveness? Why can't we say in church, we're giving you spiritual forgiveness? We're giving you stupid forgiveness. We're forgiving you for being stupid when how you treated me. In other words, when the ex, you let him go, but you live with venom for the next 20 years, how about giving ex forgive? Never mind, you understand what I'm talking about, loan forgiveness, to put whatever word in front of it you need to put there. Here's how that works. And I want to show you how this works. Are you interested at least? Come on, come on, come on. Uh, I want to know, I want to show you how this works or what it looks like. Now let's go to the text. Today we're going to be looking at Matthew 18, 21 through 35. Matthew 18, 21 through 35. I'm going to need a New American Standard Bible, the NSB, NASB Bible. I'm going to start, I'm not going to read all the verses. I'm going to go a few verses at a time and I'm going to pull out what I think is pertinent and relevant to our understanding of debt cancellation. That's, that is what we're talking about, right? Debt cancellation. Let me show you this first part. I'm looking at verse 21 through 22. Peter came and said to him, Lord, look at the blue. It's highlighted. How often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? 22 says, Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. So look at the text. The text says, how often shall, notice what it says, my brother. Oh, we're not talking about 
sinners. We're not talking about strangers. We're not talking about outsiders. We expect them to hurt us. But how often, so look at, we're talking about quantity. How often shall my family hurt me and I forgive them? Now, Peter says seven times. Jesus says 70 times seven. Here's the issue. Check out this issue. The issue is debt runs in the family. Say that with me. Debt runs in the family. Come on, some of y'all didn't say it. Say it this time. Debt runs in the family. So I want you to be clear that the issue is that God has to give a policy on family forgiveness. Why? Because debt runs in the family. The fact that even Peter said, should I forgive him seven times, already implicates that this brother has already done it more than once. Ah, uh, that's all right. So we have to understand that the issue pops up because debt runs in the family. There are people in the family who will owe us and there are people who we will owe in return. And so God is instructing Peter on what to do when it doesn't seem like the debt is going away. You need a policy for brother or sister who keeps recurringly offending you or sinning against you. And why do you need a policy? You need a policy in place because as long as you don't do something with that debt, there will be friction in the relationship. The family is not balanced. Oh, shuka The church is not balanced as long as pastor so-and-so is mad at deacon so-and-so and the choir director hates the fellowship security parking lot volunteer. And as long as there's all this anticipation, God, I'm preaching this and ain't nobody going to talk about it. But I'm telling you, churches are filled everywhere today right now with animosity because of expectation from their own brother or sister. Uh, watch this now. So in particular, family is always around. Family ain't going nowhere. So it's not like you just can forgive the debt or the debt goes away and they move to Timbuktu. Family coming over next week. Family coming over on Christmas. Family going to be at church next Sunday in the body of Christ. We going to be synced in the choir. Synced in the choir. Not singing. Synced in the choir together. Tenor to tenor. Alto to alto. Family is all always around. That's why I'm saying debt runs in the family and you need a policy in place. What am I going to do when somebody in the choir hurts me over and over again? That's all right. You ain't going to say preach Pastor Cherry, but the body of Christ is full of debt between brothers and sisters in the Lord right now. And no one acts like they know the policy God has given them to rectify these differences. So here's our reminder. This is the debt cancellation program. 
Let's look back at the text for a moment. Let me go back to the text and let me show you this. Peter came and said to him, Lord, how often shall I sin? Shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? The issue is how often to forgive my brother or sister. Or in other words, he says, how often shall I forgive those people who are around me? Here it is. Here it is. Watch this now. Here it is. He says, is there a limit? He wants to know, I'm going to forgive them, but is there a limit? Oh, come on, church folk. Come on, family. I love you, but I need to know, is there a limit? The question Peter is really asking is how often, in other words, is there a limit on this offense? (laughs) Is there a limit on how much they can do to me? And Jesus says, he says seven times, Jesus says 70 times seven, you are never to come to a point of refusing forgiveness to one who sincerely asks when it comes to the family. Peter thought, now watch this, I love this, Peter thought he was doing good by offering seven times. In the Jewish uh, law and the custom, the custom was the rabbi said three times is enough. But so Peter thought he was saying, I'm going to give seven and I'm going to try to impress my Jesus and say, I'm going to go above, I'm going to go four above, I'm going to raise you uh, above, four above three. And I'm going to say, I'm willing to forgive seven. And Jesus was basically saying, let me tell you something. The law says three, you say seven, I say 70 times seven. And so Jesus had to check him on the policy when it comes to family. Jesus didn't say it in the scripture, but I feel like he said, this ain't the law, bruh. This is the gospel. The law is full of rules. The law is full of limits and quotas and statutes. When it comes to the gospel, shoo, the gospel be like, forgive them for everything. The gospel be like, it's been, it's the 80,000th time, forgive them. The gospel be like, if they slap you on one side of the cheek, let them slap you on the other. The gospel be like, if they take your shirt, give them your coat too. The gospel be like, the gospel be like, love your enemies. Pray for them who despitefully use you and say all manner of evil. This ain't the law. The law says eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Get back, get back, get back. The gospel, that dogging, the gospel says our policy is different. When people wrong you, when stuff happens, you don't rectify a situation based on church rules and laws. It does not always make sense when God says be the bigger person, go over there anyway. That's all right. You ain't going to say amen because I'm all on toes. I'm on somebody's bunion right now and I'm killing them. The next important point to make regarding debt cancellation is there must be a settling of account. So we got the issue. We know what the issue is, but I want to make sure we understand the settling of the account. So watch this now. You must settle your account. Debt cancellation is one way to settle your account. So when we talk about this forgiveness or this element of dealing with people in the family who have offended us successively, ongoingly, recurringly, debt cancellation requires a settling of accounts. Settling accounts is the way you bring your books into balance. 
And settling of accounts means your books are unbalanced until you do something with that relationship that owes you something. Uh, that's all right. I'm talking to you. I'm looking right in the camera. I'm looking right in Instagram. And I'm telling you, your accounts are unbalanced until you implement the policy of what you will do with uncollected debt. You don't live, listen, you don't want to live owing anybody and you don't want to live being owed. So every year you must try to do what's necessary to rectify and balance the books. Do you know why some people renew their vows? They renew their vows because they're trying to start fresh. Do renew them and say, let's start over. Let's say <laughs> we have been fighting so long. We need to start over. In other words, some people have hurt each other so much. There ain't enough counseling you can go to to fix and heal that stuff. Some of that stuff is 30 years old and the best thing you could do is forgive it and move on. That's all right. That ain't a part of my notes. I need to keep going. There is no debt cancellation without someone settling the accounts. It has to happen. If you're going to be free, you have to settle your account. You can't walk around and say, I'm free in Jesus. I'm free and I'm balanced. And you haven't settled your account. You are not in balance. If you know somebody out there has offended you and you're expecting something from them. Remember I preached about a month ago. The Bible says, even when you come to the the altar, if you know that you have offended somebody, he says, leave your gift at the altar, go fix it first, and then come back. Because whatever you got to give me, I'm not accepting it until you settle your account. Somebody say, settle your account. All the settling account means it just determines who owes you what. The next step is to determine how you're going to get the money or whether you will get it at all. People go to court all the time. And I love this. I love this. I, I spend a lot of time in court. Help me, Jesus. I go to court and we go to court or people go to court. People go to court all the time. And the judge will issue a order and says judgment in favor of the plaintiff. You owe them $1,000. Okay, that's great. You got the order. In other words, I'm settling my account. I know who owes me what. But collection is another thing. Just because the judge ordered it don't mean they going to pay you. Uh, that's why then you got to come out of the courtroom, then hire a collection agency to collect the money from the people who you got a judgment for them to pay. I know the Lord. I see, here's what I'm trying to tell you. I know the Lord has told you that they should come to you and ask for forgiveness. I know the Lord. I know what the Bible says, but they ain't paying you. My point is, what do you do with debt that's owed to you and people are not coming to pay you? So this is what we want to understand. So now we have to determine, now we know who owes us what we need to know how to collect it. So look at your life. Look at the people in your family. Look at the people in the church body of Christ, your brother and sister, and find out who owes you what or who do you owe. Make sure you understand and you're clear on what is needed to settle your account. So 
Collection and cancellation have the same ending, but two completely different meanings. So when you talk about collection and cancellation, those are two different things. As long as you are living from the mindset of collection, you will be unbalanced. But when there is cancellation, that's when you can move into the place of healing. Let's look at the text. Let me go back to the text. Verse 23 says, for this reason, the kingdom of heaven. So we're talking about family. We're talking about our house may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. You see that settle accounts. 24 says when he had begun to settle them, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. So we talk about settling this account. The kingdom of heaven is like family. God compares this teaching to the family in his kingdom. So he's going to use this story about the king to help us understand what happens in the family. We, like God, have to settle our accounts. We must periodically give attention to who we owe and who owes us. The king, in this case, came to himself and said, who owes me what? He saw a man who owed him 10,000 talents. As verse 24 said, He won, there's one who owed him 10,000 talents who was brought to him. Oh, do you have the people brought to you who owe you money? Oh, you don't bring them to you, but you text them. <laughs> you don't you don't bring them to you, but you go to their house, right? You don't wait for them to come to you. You go knock on their you call them. No, I ain't texting you. I, hey, where my where hey, where my ten thousand where my ten thousand talents? And the, this ten thousand talents equates to anywhere between seven million and twelve million US dollars. That's what that would look like. So the point is, it is almost what I'm trying to get you to see. You're trying to collect money from people who are as impossible to pay you back, but you're living in torture trying to collect what you know you ain't never going. Oh my God. So we must determine what we will do with the debt because we don't do this. Our books are never reconciled enough to give us the balance we need to serve God healthily. There will be some who owe millions and there will be some who owe hundreds. Now you may can collect the $25 for the emotional disturbance you had with sister so-and-so, but the millions of dollars of spiritual disturbance you had from the pastor who took advantage of you 20 years ago, you ain't never going to get that back. So stop holding the grudge and develop this policy. But most of all, there will be some who can't pay you at all. And we call them, watch this. We call this write-offs. We write off what cannot be paid back. Let's talk about those who aren't able to pay because we need a policy for that. Let me show you from scripture. Let's talk about for a minute those who are not able to pay. Not able to pay means the amount owed is too great. Millions of dollars may be owed to you and they are not able to pay. There are some things done to us by others that will never be able to recoup what you are owed. The debt is too great. Oh my gosh. For example, our sin debt was too great and there was only one option. Jesus could not sit there, look at the books and say, I'm, I'm, about, I'm about to hold Danielle responsible. I'm about to hold Joy. I'm about to hold Big Ben. I'm about to hold Lil, 
little bit. I'm every year, y'all collect, collect. I need you to serve. I need you to do this. I need you to sing in the choir. I need you to go park the car. I need you to preach. I need you to be a de- God is not in heaven tallying up the books, making you serve and do stuff because of the sin you committed. His only resolution for the greatness of sin in the world was one option that was debt cancellation vis-a-vis forgiveness. That's why Jesus had to come and he had to die so that he could cancel your debt. Oh, come on. This is why you need to forgive yourself sometimes because the damage you've done in life, you will never do enough penance to pay pay that back. Some people say, I'm I'm hurting myself because I'm trying to make myself feel bad for what I did to myself. That's just dumb. Let me look at the text. Let me show you the text. Verse 25 says, but since he did not have the means to pay, do you see it? Since he did not have the means to pay, that's why this policy is about what to do with people who can't pay. His Lord commanded him to be sold along with his wife and children and all that he had and repayment to be made. So God said, basically, because you can't pay, I'm about to throw you in prison and your children and all of that. Or the king said, 26. So the slave, watch this now, the slave fell to the ground, prostrated himself before him saying, have patience with me and I will repay you everything. And then he says in 27, and the Lord of that slave, watch this now, felt compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. Now, listen to this carefully. Let me break this down for you. The reality is the man owed him millions of dollars. The king said, you pay me or I'm throwing you and your family in prison. But here's what changed it. Ah, Here's the dynamic to our change in debt cancellation with family members, with brothers and sisters in Christ. The policy is... For family, yes, if they owe you, the dynamic is they should pay you back. Unless the family member turns and pleads and asks for patience and for forgiveness. When the family member comes to you and says, I'm sorry, I messed up again. Forgive me. Jesus says the policy, go back to Peter, verse 21. Peter says, how often should I forgive the brother who sins against me? And Jesus' response is, the policy is, if the brother owes you, you can expect payment. But if they come to you and Beg for your patience, knowing full well they don't have the money to give you in the first place. God says, cancel the debt. Look at verse 27, put 27 back on the screen. The Bible said, and the Lord of that slave felt compassion and released him and what? Forgave him the debt. The point is, How many times, the question is, how many times shall I do this? Jesus said, 
70 times 7 and he was being facetious. There will always be people who don't have the means to pay. That's all I'm saying. They didn't have the means to pay. And the reason for this policy is that there will be people in your life who hurt you and they will not have the means to pay you in return. I know some of y'all going to sleep and I know you don't want to hear this and this is boring, but I'm telling you, if you get this principle in your life, you'll be powerfully released. They couldn't pay you if they tried. They are so messed up. They've got so much personal stuff and gunk in their life that has caused them to be evil, that has caused them to be wicked, to be backbiting and spiteful, conceited and jealous and envious. Listen here, for them to pay you back, they would have to work through all of that to get to an apology to bring to you. I'm telling you, there are people in your life who you will never get back what they hurt you for. Even if someone never realizes their wrongdoings, there is no way in their person and their makeup do they even have the capacity to pay you for the stuff they did. So you sitting around holding grudges for people who are so jacked up there ain't no way in God's earth they can pay you back. But you're going to hold a grudge for your life, live in your own prison because of what they can't pay you back. They are too spiteful. They are too vindictive. Their daddy hurt them. Something happened to them. And you need to let them be them and you need to balance your books. <laughs> so the policy in this scenario is to forgive those that don't have the ability to pay. This is why Jesus's response is not seven times, but 70 times seven, because you can pick any number you want. Basically, Jesus said, Peter, you can say seven, you can say 700, you can say 7 billion. I'm telling you, there ain't a number you can come up with to expect payment from people who can't pay you. In other words, you can say, I'll give you 30 extra days. I still ain't going to have it. I'll give you 30 extra years. Well, judge, I still ain't going to have it. You can give people 30 million years. They still ain't going to have it. What do you do with the debt for people that owe you and you know they can't pay you? The better move is to forgive them. But stop putting yourself in position to create more debt for them. Every time you keep letting them hurt you and do to you, you keep adding on to their debt. It's like a credit card company. You owe $10,000, but they keep giving you more credit. God is not saying, let them keep hurting you. He's saying, forgive them for the hurt they've already done. So in other words, you create boundaries, you cut their card off, but you forgive them for what they did to you. In other words, let them go, release them from what they did to you, but you don't let them keep coming over and hurting you over and over again. You create boundaries. Now, when you keep letting them do it, you are not helping them. You are becoming a codependent and an enabler. You are creating more debt in their life and you make them believe that them living in that evil, disgusting way is actually permissible. Every time you 
let people cuss you out and talk to you the way you know they shouldn't, you are saying to them this attitude and lifestyle is permissible. Hold on, boo. Not today. You ain't coming over here and acting that I have forgiven you for last year. I will never bring it up, and I am not holding that grudge against you because we are family. But what you're not going to do is do it again. I have forgiven you. I have a policy in place to keep us brothers. I have a policy in place to keep us singing in the choir and not hating each other. But what you're not going to do is keep doing what you do to hurt me. I am not adding to your debt. I am releasing you from debt. The key to this is in verse 26, where the servant fell to the ground and pleaded for the king's forgiveness. It is clear that the king forgave them because they asked. I'm going to say it again. The king forgave them because they asked, which means that people who are genuinely remorseful for the things that they've done wrong to you, God says those are the people you are to practice debt cancellation. Point being, if people don't sincerely seek your forgiveness, you will still have to settle your books. They ain't coming to apologize. They ain't coming, but you still got to do something with how you feel about them. I'm preaching, boy, this is a counseling session on nine steroids. You will still have to settle your books. You may have to write it off. They will never apologize. They will never see it from your perspective, and you will always be seeking to collect from them what they cannot pay. But God is teaching today that when a person sincerely begs our forgiveness, give it to them and wipe the debt completely free. No collections, let people go free. Don't you remember Monopoly? You got to get out of jail free card. But watch this. Sometimes, Ben, people suffer from what I call DFA. People suffer from DFA. Do you know what DFA is? DFA is debt forgiveness amnesia. Debt forgiveness amnesia. I'm going to let that soak in just for a minute. Come on, help me with this DFA. DFA is debt forgiveness amnesia. DFA is when we so quickly forget how God and others have forgiven us our wrongs that we still choke people and ask them for what they've done to us. This is the exact reason God has to write this story. We all want debt collection for ourselves, but come down with DFA when we have to forgive the debts of others. Remember this, the debt policy you put in place for others must mimic the policy others have put in place for you. Uh, Don't get DFA, debt forgiveness, amnesia, when the bank forgave you your loan, but you won't forgive somebody $20. Think of the highest debt you have ever owed that you couldn't pay. What happened? You were forgiven or the judge let you file for bankruptcy, chapter 13, 7 or 9 or 1. (laughs) The amount that you owed was erased 
it was lost and it was forgotten about. And then God brings back an old relationship and brings up old memories of hate, hurt, and pain. And you forget so quickly that your debt has been erased by your cousin from 10 years ago or the judge or the bank or the school or the job. But you can't forgive your own sister who lives in your own house or down the street for being late for picking you up or not giving you back the $100 last Christmas. You got DFA. If God forgave you of your sins, then you must forgive others of theirs. No limits, Peter. Uh-oh, Master P. No limit. Master Peter, how often should I forgive? No limits. I digress. If they sincerely request your pardon, there is no limit, Master P, to giving them uh, cancellation. Matthew 6 even says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Let's look at the text as I wind this up and bring it on home. But the slave, verse 28 says, but the slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. I want you to know he owed 10,000, but his servant owed just a hundred. And he seized him, grabbed him and began to choke him saying, you fool. No, he said, say, he said, he said, He said, give me my money. (laughs) Give me my money. Pay me back. 29 says, so his fellow slave fell to the ground just like he did and began to plead with him saying, have patience with me and I will repay you. I feel DFA, DFA coming. But he was unwilling and went and threw him in prison until he should pay back what was owed. Verse 31, so when his fellow slave saw what he what happened they were deeply grieved and came and reported to their lord all that had happened then summoning him his lord said to him you wicked slave i forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that i had mercy on you i came to tell somebody what df you fool somebody sees you that you aren't being fair to what in in comparison to how God has been fair to you and somebody's going to report you in prayer to God and say God I forgave them but they won't forgive me and God is going at some point come knocking on your door and say didn't I forgive you for your abortion didn't I forgive you for your wayward and rascal living didn't I forgive you for for falling out and blacking out from being so drunk somebody had to send you home didn't I give you traffic school when you should have been in jail didn't I give you probation when you should have got five years but somebody rubs you the wrong way and you can't find a lick of mercy in your cabinet in your house (laughs) the reason I know that this person cannot pay because they did the very same thing that they were forgiven given for themselves. This is how I know when people can't pay. 
People can't pay because they keep increasing their debt. So what I'm saying to you is that servant went out and committed the same crime that he was asking God to do, forgive him for him, but he couldn't do it for the other. So people who are evil and wicked, guess what they do? They keep doing it. They keep doing it. And people who who can't pay you back, they keep spending. And that's why credit companies won't give you credit because your FICA score, your credit score, Trans Equitable, Equifax, all them companies, you down in the 400s because you keep spending. And they won't rent or lease or uh, sell you anything because you keep showing that you're not going to appreciate what we do for you as a bank. You're going to go keep spending and charging. And so what God is saying, I'm going to put a cap on your life. Uh, that's all right. I, I got to let me let me help you here. Clearly, he doesn't get it. And people who don't get it, you let God deal with them. In other words, they're going to somebody's going to see them and report it to God. It is not for you to play police. It is not for you to go out and make people pay you. Your job is to put this policy in place and forgive them. Balance your books, baby. Get yourself together and get popping. Live your life for the glory of God and stop worrying about what people did to you years ago and you will never get that back from them. And let me tell you this, you will never get the time back that you spent in depression and anger drinking yourself stupid at the bar for what somebody did to you several years ago. You will never get that time back. I'm telling you, balance your book and live free, honey girlfriend. Note the difference in the amount owed. 1,000 to 100. That was 10 times more. He was willing to destroy someone for less than what he was forgiven for. And he was forgiven for so much more. The next time you have the audacity to hold someone in jeopardy for what they did to you, all you need to do is think about how God has forgiven you for what you did to him. And verse 30 shows that there's a difference between being unable and unwilling. Because look at verse 30, it said, but he was unwilling. There's a difference between people who are unwilling and people who are unable. You ought to label them. You unwilling you unable. I got mercy for people who are unable. I ain't got mercy for people who are unwilling. God has to deal with you. There's a difference. You forgive the unable, but you hold the unwilling accountable. This leads me to believe that the first servant could have paid his king, but his remorse wasn't genuine. He felt like he got over. And there are countless of people who hurt you and they feel like they got over on you. (laughs) Wait till God shined. Wait till God knocked on their door because they're going to have to pay the piper. There ain't a soul on earth that will skip the judgment of God. There ain't a soul on earth that is not visible to God, the actions and their attitudes. I'm not talking about just what they do. God looks on the heart. He knows motives and intention. People who know they can't pay are usually more genuine. The unable are usually more genuine in their remorse. The unwilling, it don't sound real. You apologize. I don't believe.
believe it. I don't believe it. You just unwilling. It ain't that you unable. Verse 31 said it like this. He said, they told him, said, we're going we gonna to go tell the king on you. In other words, your debt will catch up to you when you don't honor others the same way you have been honored. I'll repeat. Matthew 6 said, forgive our debts, Lord, as we forgive our debtors. You want God to do for you as you do for others. The other slaves reported him. And 32 said, be clear. 32 said he forgave his debt because he pleaded with him to do so. He said, I forgave you all the debt because you pleaded with me. Never be ashamed, folk, to ask for debt forgiveness. It releases you to do the same for others. Write the credit company, ask them. I don't have the money. If it be possible, can you forgive me this debt? They may not forgive you all of it. They might write off 50, 75%, say pay us $600 and we good. I'm telling you, you will be amazed at what God will do for you if you simply turn around and plead for forgiveness. Somebody ought to turn to God right now and say, Lord, I'm pleading for your mercy. I know I haven't been living right. I know I haven't been doing what you asked me to do, but I'm pleading for your mercy because I'm unable to pay. (laughs) There's a lifestyle you're living and you are unable to pay. And every day, that's why you ought to get on your knees and say, God, have mercy on me. Let's look at the final piece to this puzzle as we wrap this up I've got five minutes left verse 33 says or verse uh, let's see we talk about prism or freedom and here's where we understand the difference between the two Prison of freedom is what this is all about. It's not really about money. This is not about how much you want to get back. It's about whether or not you're going to be free or whether you're going to live in prison. The money is just the object of the transaction to determine protocols that will affect our imprisonment or freedom. And in other words, money is just the thing we're arguing about. But the real issue is how I feel about you. If I get the money or not, I still need to live with you. I still need you to love you. I need to be your brother. We need to be family. And the family business There are more invisible prisons than you can imagine. I know you know about Twin Towers. I know you know about Civil Brand. I know you know about Alcatraz and some of the more famous ones. But there are invisible prisons in households right now. There are invisible prisons in First Church of God, Ebenezer on the mountainside called the God sanctified and fire baptized. And guess what most of the prisons have been created behind? Guess what most of the prisons have been erected for? Money, money, money. There are fights all over the world. Do you know how bad funerals are after funerals are over? Do you know what the fighting is like between families when it comes down to who's going to get the car, who's going to get the house, who's going to get, what is it? Money, money, money creates a problem between the freedom to be family, freedom to be brothers and sisters in Christ. The United States can't even be free when the left and the right can't come together to find our commonality. Let bygones be bygones. If you made us slaves, then let's forgive, but let's move forward. And I'm asking you to to forgive and then forget about it, then keep treating me the same. No, I'm asking you to forgive and let's move forward. Let us find a place where we can free ourselves. So because you can't pay or because you don't give me what 
what I'm due, I will create a prison for you for the rest of our lives. And so families don't speak to each other for thousands, hundreds of years because we erected a prison for you because you didn't pay me money. What do you mean? What do you mean? A George Washington, a Benjamin, an Abraham Lincoln is going to keep me from my brother in the Lord? You mean money is going to keep me from shouting hallelujah in the house of God? Here's the reality. Many prisons you can't find on the Google map. You can't put it in Siri. You can't put it in the GPS and old MapQuest can't find it. There are prisons everywhere and guess where they exist? Prisons exist in the mind. Prisons in the mind. Prisons in marriages. Prisons in finances and prisons in churches. They are usually self-built. They are created institutions that we run. We are wardens of these prisons. Deacons run prisons. Pastors run prisons. Mothers run prisons. Wives run prisons. Teenagers run prisons. Brothers run prisons. Uncles run prisons. These are the only institutions. Listen to me. These are the only institutions that lock ourselves up. (laughs) Stupid. We lock ourselves up and we have the key to get out in our pockets, but we won't use it because the prison is self-inflicted. We actually choose to be there rather than be free. Let's look at this further. Look at the text, verse 34 and 45, our final text. And his Lord moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers, say torturers, until he should repay all that was owed. My heavenly father will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. In other words, if you don't forgive family, if you don't practice debt cancellation, you will too live in torture. Well, what does that mean, PC? Let's ride it out. The person who won't forgive others lives in torture. A prison with an open gate that can't walk out to freedom because they cannot forgive. As long as you're sitting there expecting somebody to pay you, you are the one in prison. So in essence, the unwilling became the unable. (laughs) Because when God, when the king saw that he was unwilling, then he put him in prison and he became unable. (laughs) There ain't no no way he could pay him back. You know how I know? Because when the last time you saw somebody earn money in prison. You can't earn wages in prison. You'll never be able to pay somebody millions of dollars. Ain't ain't an amount of license plates you can carve out in order to pay the millions you owe. So you go from unwilling to being unable. And I don't want your life to be fit in that capacity. I don't want you to go around being unwilling to forgive people and then you end up being unable to do the things God has called you to do. The catch is that the person who was one unwilling to forgive thought by punishing someone else for not paying that they were putting them in prison when in reality they were putting themselves in prison that's all I'm saying remember the guy he said he choked his servant and said I'm gonna throw you in prison and he thought he was putting him in prison when in reality he was putting himself in prison and so I'm saying the reason we erect these freedom these prisons is because we fail to be willing to practice 
debt cancellation for stuff that people did to us hundreds of years or no, 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 three weeks ago. Hello. The text doesn't explicitly say it, but it seems to infer that if the king could reverse a decision for the wicked servant, in other words, if the king could say, okay, no, I'm not, I'm not canceling your debt. I'm putting you in jail. If he could turn the decision around for the first servant, he could turn the decision around for the second one. Remember the first servant threw his servant in prison. So not only did the king put the guy, the first servant in prison, he released the second servant who got thrown in prison. So just like I'm telling you, the king, God can put you in the unable category, or he can put you in a forgiven category where you are pardoned and you have your debt canceled. So the one who thought he was free wasn't free. And the one who thought he would be in prison forever ended up being released. So don't play games, y'all with the unforgiven. People are evil for a reason. There's a reason for Judas. Judas had to be in scripture. He had to be there. It's like a sickness, a poison. They refuse to give it up. Evil going to be evil. People going to act up like they going to act up. I watched a movie about a woman cop who, who during her duty, she lost an eight-year-old daughter and a father in her duty. And she committed her life as a cop after that doing drugs to punish herself and her partner came to her and asked her to get help why don't you just get help but she said why should I be healthy and free when those innocent people are dead the point is she created a self prison for herself that she had the key to she could go get help but she wouldn't walk out because she couldn't practice debt cancellation for her own self which was simple forgiveness yes you did wrong Yes, you made a mistake. Yes, they died while you were on duty. Yes, there's remorse and yes, there are consequences for that. But there is no reason for you to live in prison while you are able to be free, which happens to be our conclusion. The conclusion is forgiveness. Forgiveness is letting go of the resentment for what others have done to you. It is giving up on the claim you have to requital. It is not holding a person to the debt they owe. You release, you release them and you release yourself. This is forgiveness. The point of verse 35 is it must be done from the heart. God says it must be done from the heart. And note the last part of verse 35. It said from the heart, if you're going to do it, mean it. You can forgive it. Stop giving lip service. God looks at the heart. He knows what you really meant by what you said and what you did. The story really focuses on two people, the unwilling and the unable. Which one are you? I'm tired of Christian folks listening to sermons all the time, then walking straight out of church and then going still hating their brother or their sister. If you believe in the word of God and God has given you the power and the ability to forgive, then why not forgive? Yes, it was wrong what they did. Yes, it was wrong. But if they seek your forgiveness and they are unable to pay you because that's how they live and they will keep living like that. You lose a brother, you lose a sister in the Lord, in the church because you cannot balance your own book. If you are unwilling to forgive your own family, brothers and sisters in Christ, when they genuinely can't repay and ask your pardon, then God will deal with you likewise. 
Our heavenly father will allow you to live in an unforgiving prison for a debt you owe to him, which you are unable to pay. And when people owe you too much, the best remedy is forgiveness. When the debt is too high, the debt cancellation is forgiveness. That's why we should thank God for Jesus, because he really paid it all and all to him we owe. I'm PC, and that's all I've got.